1: Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, the last regular episode of the year. I can't believe it's already the end of 2017. I'm gonna have a comedy shop talk episode, talking about the year and all the great things that have happened. But today's episode is a great one to end on of having guests on the show. Great interview I have with comedian from Atlanta, Lace Larrabee. She's awesome, and you're going to be able to tell how awesome she is by listening to this chat that we have. I met her when I still lived in South Carolina, and she is just awesome. She's a great performer and a really awesome person. You instantly like her because she is cool and kick-ass. And uh, she's just an awesome person, and uh, I'm very excited to be sharing this chat with you. We have a really good discussion about what women face in comedy and a lot of things just about society. I think it's a really good chat, and I think it's good to continue the discussion about what women are facing simply because who knows what's going to make you get it a little more and start helping make things better for marginalized people. So let's have that chat right now. Here it is. My chat with Lace Larrabee.
2: New York is one of those, uh, love or hate kind of places like LA. So, oh yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta really be into it to, to want to stay. <laughs> one of my, one of my I best friends from high school. It. Yeah. You love it instantly. Yeah. Well that's, I mean, I think a lot of people do. And then it's just funny. One of my, one of my best friends from high school, um, He he went to Yale and then he he met a guy and they have been god they've been together for I think probably like eleven or twelve years now and so they've been in pretty much they've moved to Manhattan Mm -hmm. around that time right like eleven or twelve years ago and they've lived there ever since and they are so sick of it (laughs) (laughs) and they used to be I think the I think the more settled though you get and the the more you kind of crave things like a yard Uh and. You know, you just want to be like, you just want to be away from the concrete and the hustle and bustle and the subways and shit. I mean, it's so, mm-hmm. it's uh, what's the word? I don't know. I mean, New York is exciting. Mm-hmm. I-, I love it. I love to visit, but I'm always curious what people think about living there because everyone I know has drastic opinions of living there. They either love it or they're waiting any second to get a reason to get
1: out <laughs> so, yeah I mean done. I could see that eventually but it's changing for me it's like first mm-hmm. when we moved here or right before we moved here I was saying let's at least give it a year even if we end up hating it let's just give it yeah. a shot for a year um, yeah. and the more I've been here the more I've been like oh we're already at 8 months 9 months like that's a year is probably not enough time and, yeah. Uh, well that's the, a good
0: sign. It's yeah. going by fast.
1: That's good. Yeah. And then the more time goes by, the more I'm like, Well, I almost can't see myself not living here. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Oh,
2: well I love that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, but I like my mom's in South Carolina, so I don't like that part yeah. of like
2: Yeah. You know,
1: being that yeah I've not live this far away from my family ever.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I definitely haven't. I mean, Atlanta is as far away as I've ever been from my family, and they're just in South Georgia. So, oh. I mean, yeah, I've I've never... I mean, but I love, you know, I love getting the hell out and coming back. I mean, it's always fun to leave. But, yeah, living though, permanently? No, never. Never been out that far. But, wow. yeah, I know. One day, though, maybe. At least, you know, the dream, right? The dream's the Coast to coast living, isn't that it? Like one yeah. one
1: on yeah. the side and being able to go live to in a please. couple different places. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. I mean I don't my brother lives in LA. I don't know if I would want to live in LA, but um uh I mean I, I know I would like at least the warm weather, but not the fires. But um Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like, oh we love how warm and oh my god, it's too warm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, We're
2: on fire. Yeah. Literally.
1: There's someone I know who was going back and forth uh, from Atlanta and New York and uh, I... Which person?
2: Her, I probably know them.
1: Her name is Erica Grace Powell but she just got married and I forget her.
2: Oh yeah. no
1: uh. married name, but, but um, she was from Greenville and then moved to... Mm-hmm. No, no, no. She moved to Nashville. Oh, going okay. back and forth from Nashville to, to New York for gigs. But she did that for a little bit when she was living in Greenville and that would be great if I could go back and forth, I, you know, yeah. like often. Because then, you know, if you have the money to travel, and mm-hmm. then you, but you're you're getting the work that you want to get in mm-hmm. New York, then it's like best of both worlds.
2: That's the dream, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I want. I mean, I I got to live that a little bit this past year uh, was awesome because I got to go had multiple reasons to get out of t- So, like, no, I was booked in LA to do a show, like a TV show. So, I got to go and go to LA, and I got to—I was booked, in, and the reason I got that is because I happened to be booked in Idaho to, to close out a, a gig, and so mm-hmm. I got to—I so I went out to Boise, and then I was like, well, I'm going to be that close, well, you know, just go to LA too if I'm going to be out that far, I might as well. And I did that then I got the audition for the thing and then I got called out to come back for the thing. And so I had all these reasons to keep traveling that far and God, that felt so good. It's not a whole lot of money and you're, you're pretty much breaking even and you know, all that, but just the reason to like, just to have the work and needing to go out there and, and just that whole, that feeling of, of uh, I've got to go to LA for work, you know, like that. God, I love it. I loved yeah. it. And I want that. I just, and I want the same for New York. You know, i would killed to have reasons to go up there and not just go to waste money to hope that five people see me at a
1: mic. Right.
2: You
1: know? Right. I mean, that's always the thing with, with comedy. Mm -hmm. Especially in my position. I mean, you're obviously headlining and, and doing really established gigs. Um, yeah. But like from where I was coming from and the position I was in and then moving here, I was a, you know, not a necessarily a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wasn't a small fish in a small pond, but also I wasn't like someone who was clearly on this trajectory, in my opinion, that mm-hmm. it wasn't like Rory Scovel, you know, like going to, right. to New York. <laughs> you know, right. He, you know, he had like, had established himself so much in the business world of comedy. Mm-hmm. So like when mm-hmm. I come up here, then it's just like, okay, well, what are the good rooms? And then a lot of the good rooms now are things where you really just have to have gotten some people's attention to get on so yeah I'm kind of re- relegated at this point to only getting on some open mic and who knows like how yeah. long that can take for it to matter
2: Ugh, gosh years you gotta yeah. put and see that those are the things that terrify me
1: mm-hmm. is
2: the, the starting over again and and the years that you have to put in. especially i don't know and not that it is different but it is i mean you can mm-hmm. we can act like it's not but it is different Male and female. It's just totally different. Yeah, I mean, because you know, we whether we act like it, everything's fine. Cause it's 2017, everything's better. But I mean, women do still have more of a shelf life just mm-hmm. in the business because there are still so many older, mm-hmm. you know, a- antiquated ideas still in the business because those people are still around and when those people are gone maybe it'll be a little different but i can't act like those old managers and agents and casting directors Mm -hmm. don't exist because they do and they want women to to not be any older than 30 i mean they just don't
1: yeah yeah i it sucks i mean and it's yeah i understand that when i go to mike's here for the for the most part Mm
2: -hmm. they are
1: very friendly to women. Like they are very supportive oh, yeah, and they're not being creepy, but those aren't the people who are calling the shots in the business. Those
2: aren't the exa- Thank you. Thank you. That is the point I try to make when people, people look at you cross-eyed, like confused. Like what? What do you mean? We love women. We always have women on our show. It's like your show is not going to pay me a million dollars, an episode. Like that's right. not the thing. I want the big thing. And the big thing, I need to be 20 years old again. For
1: the yeah, big I mean, that's, that's why. Like, like,
2: Yeah, I can do comedy for the rest of my life. Sure. <laughs> that's, but that's not necessarily the only thing I want to do. I want comedy that leads to a sitcom that leads to a t- talk show that, you know, I want the Ellen trajectory. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah. And that's not, not that easy anymore. I mean, it's just no. not, there's too I many mean, people and, doing comedy.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. And I know a yeah. lot of people will say it's not easy across the board, but we have to admit that it's harder for women. And it's it because is. the people who are calling the shots are still misogynists that are getting rooted out. Thank like We're still you. having to Thank find out who these people... Look at this year. Like, well, that's this exactly people. what I was
2: about to say. Look at the, the, the pur- purge of 2017. We yeah. can't act like these people don't exist. And that's, that's only... The tippy tippy top of the iceberg, and those mm-hmm. are only the big names. Think of all the nameless people that make decisions that we don't even oh, know gosh, who get yeah. to hide in the shadows. Yeah, you know, and think yeah. of and and really, I mean, you know the business, you know how it works. It's it's not even those big name um, producers necessarily. It's a lot of times it's the sponsors mm-hmm. that, that call the final shots. Mm-hmm. So I know as an actor when I go to an audition and the clients in the room, the client. Is not a, a an agent or is not a, a, an industry professional. They literally just work for parties or whatever. You know, like they're just a mm-hmm. higher up at a, and they're the ones going, yeah, that's the look we want. They don't know shit about talent. They don't. That's how you can sit and watch TV and go, oh my god, that was the worst commercial I've ever seen. How is it on television? Well, it's because the the company the client made the final decision. Yeah. And they picked that terrible actor just because yeah. they liked the way they looked.
1: Oh yeah. Like that's how it, that's how it fucking works. So yeah. how do we
2: root out those people? We can't.
1: So yeah, if like they
2: exist there it's then crazy. You know, I mean it's so impossible to ugh. but anyway, yes. There are I mean, big it'll change,
1: made. but yeah, it's like people it's, are looking for the big time. guns right now and it is going to be a mm-hmm. while. I mean, we can't Yep. I think obviously a huge precedent and uh, it, it happened this year and a big turning point in our culture and our society. But it, there's a lot of casting directors who are doing wrong mm-hmm. stuff, even if it's not absolutely. on the level of, say, a Harvey Weinstein. There's still like some racist, you know, we're, we're calling out oh, a lot of sexual absolutely. predators, but there are still like misogynists. And oh, racists my gosh. And homophobes.
2: Racism and stereotype just the stereotyping alone that happens i mean you can open up any audition and read the side or just read the description mm-hmm. and and just be appalled and be wow. and, and and that i mean i'm sure you know i've heard a lot about it and dude. i've
1: seen uh I've, every time i see not every time but so many times when i see the uh casting call for a black male it's always suave smooth oh yeah it's always like oh, the yeah. stereotypes of like I don't know, the eighties.
2: Exactly. It is. Thank you. It is totally the eighties. And in the way they cast, I mean, Oh my gosh. Same. I mean, obviously same thing for black women. I hear that mm, all the time, gosh. you know, from <laughs> all, but I mean, it's just that I know a lot of, a lot of black women in the Atlanta scene that did both right. That did acting mm-hmm. and comic, and comedy. Mm-hmm. And it will blow your mind at the things people will say to them in, in casting. I mean, it, yeah, it's and they and if they want the work, they have to put up with it. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. The whole sassy thing and the oh, the, gosh, oh yeah. no, have more attitude. Yeah, Before, you, it's you like-
1: still. I'm I am amazed. As long as people have been complaining about the stereotypes of black women, I'm amazed at mm-hmm. how often this year I have seen sassy black women. Yep. I, I will mean, name a show. but I won't name the show out because I really do like the show and I like a lot of the people involved with it. But there's an, a black actress on there who was essentially given very little for the character, and she a, and a few of her reads have just been like sassy black woman essentially. Mm-hmm. And there's another mm-hmm. show that I had seen her on previously and didn't even recognize her because she's so different in both roles. Uh, mm-hmm. but in the other show, because
2: she was herself, yeah, <laughs> she, she was herself it, well, in one, and then.
1: She right was this
2: ridiculous character the, the and thing, thing that I, I saw first
1: be... was yeah the thing that I saw first was a well written part for a black woman and it's actually like specifically talking about not doing the stereotypes and stuff mm-hmm. and then like the second thing was not super stereotypical but it was enough of the like sassy black woman there and I was like mm-hmm. what is this bull crap and I looked her yeah. up on IMDB and was like holy crap she's a woman who did that amazing work in this other show that I just saw uh-huh. it's like it's terrible I think it was just like they put the stuff that they put in the show was just like, oh, she shows a lot of sass here. Strong black woman. I was like, come on.
2: (laughs) Come on. There are so many. There's so many layers to every human. Stop Mm -hmm. it with the stereotypical. I mean, it's uh, it's just it's so it's so sad. But that is a whole other thing that needs to be tackled. It's like right now we're dealing with, like you said, I mean, right now, yes, we're we're trying to root out. The misogyny and and or the misogynists and well, I mean the misogyny itself is gonna that's a long time, Because right. that's uh, you know that's, it's going to be a while. But you know it's got we got to tackle one thing at a time. It's like right now we're focused on half the population you know we got to fix something that's affecting more than half the population actually because it's not like mm-hmm. men don't uh, receive the same thing they they get it too and on a you know maybe a, a quieter scale no one ever talks about it but it's happening to men. Mm-hmm. And but definitely happens to all women. And then the next the next big I think I hopefully the next big purge I think is gonna be the the racism in the business. And in yeah. all business in all in all businesses. Because it's there. It's there, yeah. it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's 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 sometimes it's overt and obvious and sometimes it's very quiet. Yeah. And um, and it's not just in the South by any means. No, it is all over mean. the country mm-hmm. and it is everywhere from the entertainment industry down. I mean, the people that you would think would be the most open-minded and progressive. I mean, those are some of the worst. And I mean, yeah, you know, that's got to be the next thing. And I, and hopefully, and I, I love, I love the, uh, the commentary that's going on right now on social media, after last night after Roy Moore losing yeah. to Doug yeah. Jones. Mm-hmm. And I love everything. what they just keep showing the the demographics, the voter demographics over, yeah, and, over like and over and over. Ninety
1: seven percent black women ninety seven percent black women black women voted for Doug Jones.
2: Yes. And then it goes ninety what it's like ninety three or something of black men and then it's mm-hmm. like oh, embarrassing numbers of white women and white men. But still, the white men and women made up such a huge part of the vote, right? It was like 30-something each. And then, but it's like... I think like, it was like
1: they 62% all... of white women maybe voted, voted for Roy Moore. But I, I could be Probably. wrong. Probably. No, I like, think you're
2: right. No, that's really? what I'm saying. Only 30-something percent voted for Doug Jones.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: then, yeah, oh, God, it's disgusting. It is... But he... I have so and many it's still pretty close. It
1: was like, you know, it was
2: too close. It's still way too close. for it, was like it wasn't a 20, close enough for a thousand-person difference. <laughs> it's, oh my god! It's like, that but But I'm sorry. Any win, though, in Alabama, being from Georgia, that's any huge. win like that in Alabama is a huge deal. I mean, yeah. I know that from the rest of the world is looking in and they're going, "Okay, yeah," but it was still too close. And it's like you don't understand. That is a big
1: freaking deal yeah I mean there's so you much know that needs to now. get rooted out yeah oh gosh yeah and you know I didn't notice until I moved up here some of the sort of um maybe some of the like I guess what people would call microaggressions that I was experiencing mm-hmm. down south mm-hmm. in like friend groups from people oh so wow kind of like oh you know what now now that I'm like not there I can sort of see how maybe like how this person was sort of looking at me like, oh, he's oh, he's going to complain about racism again or or just like wow. not being, you know, like uh, that was just like an attitude that I got from a few people about, com- you know, if I was talking about anything. And some of that was overt at the time and I knew it was going on. But then some stuff I'm noticing in retrospect.
2: Because now you're in another climate. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it's funny. Here I am acting shocked, but now that I put myself in your shoes and I'm thinking of myself just, I mean, hell, just deciding to define myself. You know, I've never been afraid of defining myself as a feminist. I never really was afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Really up until, because I always kind of, I always did. Ever since I was a little kid and I learned what feminism was in school. And they taught you about the women of the 70s and 60s, and who started to stand up and go against the grain, and you know everything. And, and it was and, and getting to work and uh, all equal fighting for all. And it was so amazing to me. And I met not one bit of that sounded negative, nor did it sound like something that I didn't want to be associated with. So from an early age, I was like, that's me. I'm that. I want equality for everybody. And I lived in a household where my mom worked so I mean both my parents worked hard but my mom especially uh never stopped working she still is like pretty much the breadwinner in our house and always has been I was just like that's a cool thing it's because of these women that my Mm -hmm. mom you know provides for us the way that she does and I always thought it was beautiful right not always I'd always like I said define myself that way Mm -hmm. never had a problem with it and up until recently and I still have a problem but I've noticed such and such negative feedback yeah. from people, especially on social media and even in some conversations where I start to like edit myself when I'm talking because mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word feminist too much around certain friends or certain family members because they immediately
1: They think of a specific <laughs> different thing than what you are. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they all they're they're demonizing it and I'm like,
1: what
2: Yeah. What the hell? How did this happen? Where did this come from? Like that's a positive I'm it's right certainly gotten
1: all... way more complicated over right? the years. Because when I when I was growing up, I feel like the only time I heard feminism was in a negative context, and I was hearing it in the media, not at home. But I would hear like yeah. oh how yeah. someone would I, the word feminazi was being thrown around so much fifteen oh, twenty yeah. years ago, and now the oh, issue yeah. is that there it's like it's almost like Christianity or some religion where there are a number of different denominations. And so you right. have all these different interpretations of what feminism is. But then also people will point out uh, it's almost like there are like some some people like Lena Dunham, she wouldn't maybe mm-hmm. call herself a specific kind of feminist. But other people are saying she other falls into would. this kind of category. And then you oh, know it's yeah. like people are categorizing feminism now. And so now if you right. say feminist, it's like, well, I don't know how the person hearing this is going to interpret that right you know it's all now there's so many uh, you have to yeah
2: yeah and you have to think about who you're talking to when you choose to use the word feminist if you're Mm -hmm. describing yourself because are you talking to someone who now thinks that all feminists are, are radical feminists and, you know, and, and hate men or it's like they automatically go to that extreme end of it. And it's like, yeah, are some of them that you're exactly right comparing it to like a religion or or even a political party now, because yeah. it's the same kind of thing. Right. There's obvious right. drastic ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm sure there's a lot of people who, who are like, I hate all Republicans, all Republicans. Blah blah, blah blah And it's like, OK, yeah, there's a crazy end of them. But if you grew up in a rural area, you mm-hmm. probably know a lot of Republicans, and you know a lot of good ones who honestly just care about—they really just care about like taxes. Or yeah. you know, so they're not the the toothless, you know, Confederate flag waving yeah. morons who vote against their their better their own interests. Right, by or being just Republican. the Trumpsters,
1: like, or just oh yeah, the or Paul that's Ryan's. a whole other.
2: Group.
1: You know, yeah, it's like those are three, whole... four different types of Republicans. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and there's so many different types, and so it's the same thing. It works the same way. You can't categorize, but it's it's sad to me that something so positive, that something that's supposed to be so positive is associated with such negative things, because it's, yeah. I, I, I was always so proud of that, but I get what you're saying about, you know, you worry, oh, this person's going to think I'm complaining about racism again. It's, I, I think it's the same thing. Oh, is this person going to think yeah. I'm just complaining about, uh, you know, equal rights again or whatever. And it's like, yeah. well, yeah, I should be able to, you yeah. should be on my team. Yeah. We, everywhere, whether I'm home in Georgia or whether I'm in LA working or wherever I am, it's, mm-hmm. you should, we should all be on the same team with this. Why are we fighting? <laughs> are
1: yeah, we yeah. I mean, that's, that is kind of one of the difficult things I think because you know, something we both probably talk about in comedy or these sort of struggles and mm-hmm. yeah, there are certainly people like, oh, why do they have to talk about it? Or why do they have to why do they have so much material on that subject? And yeah, you know, it's kind of like, well, am I saying something that's wrong or are you like, or are you tired of hearing it? Uh, if because tired, it makes
2: you uncomfortable because right. you know that you're guilty.
1: <laughs> right, right? You know, it's like, why are you tired of hearing about it? You know, like if someone kept telling me how great pizza was, I wouldn't be like, "Enough about pizza," because I like pizza, right?
2: Exactly. Like, so exactly. why if
1: I I would only get tired of something if I didn't like it or agree with it?
2: Yep, yep. So, well, you just described being a female comedian because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. after a show, plenty of people would have no problem coming up and saying, "Hey, I really enjoyed your set. I could have done without
0: mm-hmm. the blank,
2: blank, blank," and you're like, "Well." I don't care. Yeah. Then don't come back. Don't listen to me. Don't follow me online. And why did you feel the need to come up and say that to me? Yeah. What good does that do? Just that to prove your to point and let more me. more than anybody. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. And, it's... and I watched it happen online. I mean, you can literally just go to YouTube, type in any comedian's name, male or female, look at the comments underneath, and start comparing yeah. what people say to women. I mean, if people don't believe that that's a true thing, if there's anybody out there who's like, bullshit, you know, I'll get. I get crazy things said to me after shows too, and it's like, "Oh, you do? Just go to YouTube. You yeah. see,
0: you'll, you'll see. It's real not as easy.
1: frequent." Like I, I, like I was, I, I was telling some friends that someone after a, a show, a woman grabbed my butt, and oh, really? Yeah, but that. But the thing Ooh. is, like that was one time, right? Ever that after a show in in the world of comedy where someone did something disrespectful and weird towards me but women deal with crap like that way more
2: oh yeah
1: it's and not in that every it's industry, okay too. that it happens to men i'm just saying uh it's wrong that it happens to to women and men but we do have to acknowledge that it happens to women more
2: more right exactly exactly
1: and i get there's like I, nothing wrong with admitting get it. I, tired of it, of people saying, yeah. like, getting annoyed with women talking about it. It's like, well, if it happened to you that much, you would for damn sure talk about Ab- it.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like when people try to have the conversation about, you know, Black Lives Matter, and then people, mm-hmm. people go, well, what? The thing, same thing happens to white people. And it's like not at the rate that it is happening to black people.
1: Yeah, and then they try to like it, make some it, sort of math thing of like, well, there technically more white men that it's happening to the, than black men, but it, it's if you look at the percentage, it's 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 about yeah, the right. Look at the percentages. Know, like, exactly. Like it's happening to like ten percent of white men, and it's happening to like thirty percent right. of black. You know, like it's uh, those exactly. aren't great numbers. I'm tossing those numbers out because no, no,
0: no. I'm no, I not mean, we're yeah. at the
1: stats right now, but. But yes. I I looked at them and it was sort of like this, you know, this crazy difference.
2: Oh, it is. It's drastic, and it's and for with us women not economy. to realize that, yeah, it's like what good are you doing when you when you try to play devil's advocate, right? When someone's trying to have these conversations that are so important to have, it's like when all the when ninety whatever. I'm going to stop trying to do percentages because I'm not a, <laughs> a what is it statistician. Statistician, but I, I'm not. You know, when women try to say this is happening to us, all of us, me too, me too, me too, me too, me too, when we're all doing it, and then a small portion of men come forward and say it, what what good does it go? Well, women, your your plight doesn't matter because we have the same plight. No, just join join forces. Why can't you just say both things exist? How hard is that? Right. It's like with the with the, with the you know dangerous cops and everything. It, it's yes, yes, we we can all see that it happens to multiple people. Just. But what's wrong with that? You don't have to say Black Lives Matter is not important to talk about, right. or because just because it happens. No, it is important. Plus this, plus right. this, we can have the conversation because there are bad cops, and there is there is systemic racism, and there is there are problems. Now, are all cops bad? No, absolutely not. More of them are good than bad, but Mm. we've got to talk about the bad ones. The same thing with the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. are everyone in the entertainment industry, racist and misogynist and wants to grow up young women. No, absolutely not. But a handful of them are, well, big handful of them are, and we've got to get rid of them and we've got to talk about it. You know, it's like we can have the conversation. You can talk about both things. One, they can both exist. They're not mutually exclusive. There is, there's, there's, our system is flawed. Our justice system is flawed. Our entertainment system is fucked up. Our, every So many industries need yeah. help. And is, you can talk about all of it at the same time. Yeah. It's not one or the other.
1: Exactly. And also, it's just kind of like the way the conversations play out, particularly online, is just weird. <laughs> oh my and I'm, gosh. I'm surprised at how organized people are, even people who are just sort of reactionary and knee-jerk. Are like, it's like everyone has their catchphrases and their hashtags. Yep. The, and, uh, you the go like to a phrase. The go to phrase. Yeah, yeah there's yep. like so much thought and almost intellect being put in to really toxic or unhealthy or even stupid points of view. Yep. Because and it's, it's fun
2: and they also feel like they have a team behind them, right? I mean, yeah. that's the kind of the whole thing with the uprise of. Uprising of Trump was that I watched it. We all watched it happen before our eyes. Which was all of a sudden everybody's like, "Oh, cool! All these people are on my team, so I can right. I can go on to a a completely moderate post, a normal post that maybe you know is leaning a little liberal in the in the in, the, in their viewpoint or whatever, and I can go in in the middle." And I'm saying this from my personal experience, right? This mm-hmm. happened to me over and over and over during the whole election year, which was. I would make some sort of a post, not being radical in any kind of way, but definitely, you know, moderate liberal leaning. And then I'd have all of these other, you know, artsy type friends of mine all come in, all this diverse, you know, conversation happening. And then one of these people that I know that were all on board with Trump would jump in and they felt empowered to do so, even Mm -hmm. though they're in the midst of a group that they do not belong in or agree with. And they would just jump in and say the most negative crazy devil's advocate type stuff mm-hmm. and they're finally they have this strength because they they have been told that the majority of the country is on board with trump because right. that's the way the media would make you think right so here they come going well i'm right now but now two three years ago would those same people would have would they have felt emboldened to say the kind of stuff that they said to me or said to my friends without even knowing who they were absolutely so. not
1: I don't think so at all. I mean, I think we saw Charlottesville because people are involved. Absolute, uh,
2: yep. Absolutely. That's and, what happened though. They all of a sudden, they've got this team around them that will, just, even if it's imagined, they have, the, they, they all of a sudden have this new power and, and that just, yeah. And that's, you're, you're exactly right. All of the, the effort and passion that they've just put into having these ridiculous reactionary comments. And, and it just, it, it all became it all came from that. Yeah. And it all was breeding underground. We didn't know it was happening because it wasn't happening in front of our eyes and our social right. media. It was happening in these deep threads and these other, you know, Reddit and all these other places that I don't go to.
1: Right. But I mean it's like fringe stuff and underground stuff. Fringe, yeah. Started, that's exact, it, yep. Those ideals came up to the forefront and people got involved. Mm-hmm. I what I yep. find uh, fascinating makes it sound like I think it's a good thing, but I don't. I, I'm i just like so perplexed as to mm-hmm. why there are so many men online who feel that have always seemed to feel emboldened to say the weird stuff that they say to women. I see it mm-hmm. on social media all the time where, you know, if I'm following a celebrity, the <laughs> stuff that people say to them in the comments open. Oh. Is so oh, crazy. Yeah. Like I, I, it's there was. So, oh yeah, especially yeah, especially celebrity.
2: That's where you mm-hmm. really see it because you see people
1: sexual stuff that people are oh, saying, yeah. and it's like, why would you say that at all? Well, but especially in front of everybody.
2: Yep, because people don't think that the people don't see celebrities as humans, right? They don't see the the human side of right. them, so they just think that they are a product that has been delivered to them and they can do with what they'd like because they think they pay, you know, to watch them on TV, they pay to watch them in film uh, so that they own them, right? So then they Mm -hmm. can just treat them however they'd like. They're a commodity. They're not an actual humanized person. But it's the same thing with comics. They see you on stage and they're like, oh, well, you deserve whatever I can say to you afterward because you you like this or you put yourself Mm -hmm. out here for this. So so this is what you get. But yeah, I don't... I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely see, and not the same thing. I mean, not, I've never, you know, no blanket statements here, but you know, I don't think that only men say odd things to people because women definitely do too, but people same do, thing. But it's way more. not
1: the same.
2: It's not the same. And it's way more men than it is women who do it. And I, I honestly, I think it's two things. I think it is, um, I think it is learned and I think it maybe some mm-hmm. of it is, um, biological. I don't know. I don't want I, to Like the testosterone
1: or something is... Well, that... Something. And I
2: just think that... I, I just, as a woman, and having more female friends than anything, I, I think that it's in women's nature, and I could be wrong that it's nature. It could totally be a learned social thing. But I do think that we think... I think we analyze things a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? I don't think that we have knee-jerk reactions... As often as men do, not that we don't—I definitely do—but I, I think that we just analyze things, right? So we question what's about to come out of our mouth more often than not, and we sit if we make a decision, and and maybe that is from a, you know, when you have children and you're protecting your children, and you have to you have to multitask, you have to think of multiple things before you make a decision because you've got to consider everyone around you, right? So you're always considering other people and other people's feelings and all this, and then men just don't i mean they just don't they just react and they just say what they want um and they no one's ever stopped them but when little girls are are little right they go okay now don't say watch your words don't be too loud don't be Mm -hmm. too this don't be too angry like don't blah 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 you know be quiet say sorry say this this it doesn't happen yes
1: absolutely
2: yeah it's absolutely that And, and and yeah, and then men just aren't taught that. Men are taught, speak up, say something, you know. Go for right. it. But in class, I mean, you watch yeah. it throughout school. I mean, boys don't raise their hand. Boys will just blurt out. Girls will sit and raise their hand and, and wait, you know. And it happens all the way through college, and it happens mm-hmm. into the corporate world. It happens – I mean, it just, it's it's just a systemic thing, and it keeps going. But I yeah, think – and that, and that just bleeds just, yeah. over – it bleeds over into social media, where men just blurt shit out because they either – Think that they're right or they think you deserve to hear what they say they didn't put any thought into what they said yeah. and i'm not talking about all men i'm talking about the men who do this the oh, men who yeah, write yeah, yeah. graphic sexually explicit things yeah. or hateful things you know to people that they don't know i mean good lord the stuff that you see online is terrifying I and mean, then do i do i no, think seriously. porn has something to do with it it's, absolutely
1: I, it's I think worse but uh yeah it, it's i th- there is so much of just, like, how the world is designed to, to mm-hmm. like, favor men more than it is designed to favor women. I mean, that's just, yeah. like, the, the constructs that were created. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like how everything is kind of built more for right-handed people than for left-handed yeah. people. It's yeah. It's the same sort of dynamic that I'm talking yep. about. And in, in especially our society, I would say. Well, I guess there are others or things might be worse. But um, for women in in some oh, respects, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> if we go in the But here's the
2: thing, I, yeah. I hate that argument because I I find myself in those conversations a lot where I'm like, Yeah, well, you know, it's still even though we think everything's great and well, there's still a lot of work that we need to do here and then somebody'll pipe up and go, Would you rather be living in in, oh, in that's a uh, Saudi Arabia <laughs> right. or whatever. Right. You know, and they'll they'll bring up something I'm like, that's we're not comparing the same things right now that is a right. separate conversation right now we are considered the most powerful country in the world right things are we so bad should for
1: women.
2: be yeah yep we should be at the front lines of progress period there's, there's we should never
1: been a woman in the white house as the president we,
2: Exactly, but we need to set the standard. So when I try to have those conversations, it's like you are wasting your time. We've got to have you got to have each conversation separately because yes, there are things that need to be changed, but that is not. We're not over there. We're not in these other countries. They they have to. There's other things they have to work on. We have to focus on ourselves, fix ourselves first, and be the leaders in progress. And then other people can. Try to get up to where we are, but we're not even the leaders in progress. I mean, there are other countries doing a lot of things better than we are. Mm-hmm. You know, and fuel, and and healthcare, and taxes, and education, and every. I mean, there's so many other countries doing so many things. that, I mean, shit, we're probably not the most powerful country in the world. <laughs> come to think of it, I mean, who knows? Who That's knows? All yeah, I but guess
1: it depends on how people measure it, but um, yeah, you it's know, a fun thing is... to say though. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But you're right. Yeah, I'm (laughs) certainly not trying to make that argument that uh, like was better here than it is in (laughs) Saudi Arabia. Oh, you're
2: dead. I know you're not. No, but there's so many people who do all the time. Oh, absolutely. I've heard it. I've heard it
1: a bunch. But here it's like, like I I follow. I would say John Mayer is someone I follow that women love. Like, not I'm not saying all women, but just like I see the comments here. But the comments that I see on John Mayer's posts on Instagram are like. I love you. Marry me. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're my boo. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like very it's I think that's an odd thing to say. Um there's maybe some it's maybe weird to say that, but it's not like the toxic, crazy stuff that I see men it's, saying. Like it's not I've heard I've seen some really there's violent or stuff dangerous. or just like super yeah. I mean, graphic. so crap, graphic, and so sexualized, and I, like mm-hmm. I, I'm—I I don't even want to repeat it because it's so gross. And like I remember yeah. one time, uh, I used to be con- uh, like, like sort of a internet pen pal with uh, Eliza Schlesinger before she got on, uh, yeah, like uh, Last Comic Standing. But we're mm-hmm. still connected on Facebook when she won on Last Comic Standing, and uh, she was at some mm-hmm. event. And she had like a nice dress on. And I said, oh, you look really nice. Something tame mm-hmm. like that. And just like mm-hmm. a nice compliment. And she sent me a genuine uh, a post. Like she she posted something it's like, Jason, thank you. That is the most normal thing a man has said to me in a long time. And I was <laughs> like, holy
0: crap. So that was like oh, yeah. eight
1: years ago or something. And it opened my eyes to just, I thought it was like, I, I had no idea that that was how common it was that men were saying these weird things to women. Uh, That's and so
2: sweet that you're so naive about that. That's adorable. I love well,
1: it. Well, <laughs> I'm not— Because you're just I, a
2: good, normal person. You're not a creep.
1: I've surrounded so, myself with good people. So, like, this yeah. year of hearing all these, like, the Me Too stuff has been, like, heartbreaking because— It's overwhelming, on, right? On the, yeah. It is because, for one, it's like, I don't know— like the the men around me do not do things and say things like that. I didn't know it was so pervasive, and then it broke my heart that it was so pervasive. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know, like the fact that it's just out there as as abundantly as it's it's out there was heartbreaking, and then the fact that I didn't know it was heartbreaking mm-hmm. as well. So it's, well, it's kind of wh- like, oh the, my gosh, I'm sorry. Like, what could I have done? The crazy
2: thing. I mean, well, what a beautiful reaction too. I mean, thank you for having a decent you know, reaction to that because that was definitely not the loudest people on social media did not feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's so funny to hear men say that. And I'm funny. It's probably not a a good choice where I don't have an amazing vocabulary. Like I wish I did uh, off cuff, but I, it's women definitely were
1: not surprised. (laughs)
2: Not one woman. And I I knew stuff was was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And every woman no can like go,
1: that.
2: yeah, and then for you to say things like, oh, the men, you know, the men in my life that do that, which honestly, I mean, great, obviously you're surrounded by good people, um, and and that's lovely, but every single woman, even though the majority of men probably most of our lives are good people, we still know a good handful uh-huh. of terrible, horrible, of
1: experiences.
2: awful people, and a million experiences that we could it's like there's not enough time in social media. It's like what we were saying mm-hmm. earlier about people being tired of hearing something. I mean, we could all we whenever that Me Too thing started, we could still be doing it today, every yeah. single day. We oh, could gosh, dedicate yeah. every single day to a story of a time that we were that that something disgusting happened to us in person or mm-hmm. online or at our jobs or by a, by a supervisor or. A, a you know, a family member or a stranger on the street or a friend that we trusted, or, I mean, there are so, and none of us were surprised, not one woman, unless she had been living in a bubble for the last 40 years, there's yeah. no way that any woman was surprised by any of these stories. Right. But unfortunately it's, it's not that you would be, you wouldn't fall into this category obviously because you, you acknowledge it and you know that it's a problem, but there are other people who go, well, these women are lying because I don't know anybody who would do that. I would never do that. And I don't know anyone around me who would do that. But these women are lying. It's It's like like there are billions
1: of people in the world.
2: What do we exactly? Thank you. And then what good would it do for a woman or a victim of any type to come forward and say it does nothing but make your life harder to come out and to tell people, Hey, to call someone out for something horrible that they did, Right. it is so it, it, you, you're you're literally just you're put you're you're you're, you're uh, surrendering and you're putting yourself out there and you're going all right I get it there's going to be people who are going to hate me there's going to be people who are going to unfriend me there's going to be people who are going to label me negatively this might hurt any future job opportunities I have this could hurt anything there is nothing to gain from coming out except for helping other future possible victims that's right. it right I, it, it makes me sick to my core yeah all the people who th- who immediately think that women are lying when they say these oh
1: things. yeah and i think another thing is just the and it goes back to us talking about stereotypes it's like one of these stereotypes of women is that they exaggerate so oh, a yeah. lot of people and i've even heard some women will say like oh it probably didn't happen like that, and it's probably just them over-exaggerating some, like, brush mm-hmm. on a leg. And I'm like, listen, as I mentioned earlier, I someone grabbed my butt before. There is a mm-hmm. difference between, we've all accidentally put our hand somewhere or grazed somebody. Mm-hmm. We fucking know the difference between a grab mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. graze. They're two completely Mm -hmm. different things. Completely different things. It's like not knowing the difference between a punch and a gunshot.
2: Yeah. It's embarrassing to come out and say something like that that happens G, because two things, you don't want to relive the moment again, and then you're terrified that people are going to categorize you as someone who who complains about every little thing. And it's like, if I complained about every little thing, you would never not hear from me because I would just be complaining 24-7. There are so many things that I just... I just accept and move on and go, yep, that happens. But then there are some awful things. I mean, and here's what's funny I said this to somebody recently because with everything that's going on with the entertainment industry and this, you know, the purge of of all these creeps, it's like actually working in the service industry, the restaurant service (laughs) industry for like 12 years, I had worse things happen to me there daily basis than yeah. i ever have had happen to me i've actually been pretty lucky i love i do love doing comedy Comedy's not super easy no there's a lot of no's There's some bad things that'll happen there's a lot of creeps will say stupid things to you but i think my skin has grown really tough at this point mm-hmm. but nothing overtly harassing and when i was a server every day i walked into an environment where i was like well nope, what's going to happen today i had i had a grown man reach up and grab I had to wear a skirt to work um and reach up and grab me up underneath my skirt That's at my disgusting. table at the table
1: I've heard of on. guys grabbing girls uh butts and stuff like I've heard oh, yeah. of that when they were like when I was in college even it's like someone a couple of mm-hmm. people might mention like that they worked at a restaurant and that sort of stuff happened and so I knew it happened and like the thing that was And this goes back to just me saying like why I was surprised because I wasn't surprised that anything like that was happening. I was surprised again that it was happening so pervasively because I would see creeps out and about, but like you have to, for it to happen as frequently as it happens and all Mm -hmm. the stuff that's been revealed this year, there are people, you know, doing this stuff.
2: Exactly. So when people go, nobody I know does. Really? Really? yeah i bet that's not true i mean i know a lot my of things, best
1: friends don't <laughs> you know,
2: exactly but here's the thing is there are probably plenty of people that you know you don't know how they're reacting online you don't I know mean, what they're doing under an anonymous
1: handle yeah
2: you don't know what yeah exactly you don't know what kind of creepy stuff that they're up to you don't know what they do when they're not around their group of guy friends yeah. you know and it's and there's because that it is it's a shameful thing to do and a lot and most of the I would have, I would assume most people who are doing those things, they know that's wrong. So you think they're doing it in front of everybody? Hell no. Yeah, they are not, doing yeah. that secretly, privately. It's their own perverse thing. It's like the whole Louis C. K. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's like everybody everybody only knew about it, really, because I think the people super, super close to him, like maybe the people working for him, like his manager and things like that, I think that they knew and they probably
1: they at um, least heard you know, the, the accusations.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. But they knew. But then when, when finally, when someone came out and said something... Um, when they knew that he was no longer in control of them anymore or their, their careers were at a certain point where they could finally say something before they couldn't, which is another, which is why people wait. Everybody goes, well, if it really happened, why'd you wait so long? It's because usually those people have some sort of control over your life or your Mm -hmm. career and you can't say anything because like I said, being a victim is not a positive thing. It's very Mm -hmm. negative on all facets of your life and your personal relationships and your job and everything else. But it's like once women came out, then everybody started, everybody knew. I knew for over oh, four years about that stuff, but no one did anything about it. And yeah. here's the thing, because it's not happening in plain sight. That's right. why.
1: Right. And Mark Marion asked Louis C.K., like, what is he, what yeah, are the rumors? He and he lied to his no. face. Yeah, he lied He's to right. Mark face.
2: One of his best friends. Exactly. So, so here's, and, and I mean. Did you watch uh, Sarah Silverman and her speech or her, her little monologue she had about it on her new I show? Did I see love you. Yeah. Oh, I cried. And I watched. And that's painful. That hurts for her. That is one of her best friends, longest, oldest friends yeah. in the business. And, and that hurts for her to have to say. I saw the hurt and the pain in her eyes and in her voice. And, oh, my God, I'm crying thinking about it right now, watching her have to come out and go, you know what? This is a bad thing that he did. He did a bad thing. Do I still yeah. love him? Yes. Can both of these things exist? Absolutely. And it can. And but we have to come out and we have to be able to say when when something bad like that happens, you can't sweep it under the rug because that's how that's that's how these things keep getting perpetuated, right? Mm, yeah. It, 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 no one gets shut down because they go, "Well, no, it's a friend, but they're a good guy." It's like. Sure. Are they a good guy in these facets of their life? But over here in the shadows, they're a creepy, terrible person who's dangerous to women. Yeah. That could also happen. Yeah. It's like when people are serial killers or other things. I mean, just look at yeah. any other example. And yeah. like everybody goes, but he was so normal. But like yeah. this guy who killed everybody, killed all those people in Vegas. Well, he was he a was normal, nice guy. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't mean he, it doesn't mean he didn't do the bad thing.
0: Yeah, right. He
2: could also do I mean people aren't walking around with a huge sign on their chest that go, I'm a creep. I, I whip it out in front of women against their will and corner them. I mean nobody you don't no know one's these things. That.
1: Yeah, nobody's gonna yeah. come out and openly say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's bizarre. easy to, to
2: it really is. But it's a sad, It's a thing that people are already ashamed of. They know what they're doing. They mm-hmm. know that it's wrong. And it's, so it's hidden. So it's not easy to sit there and, and pinpoint who these creeps are in the world. But trust me, right. ask any woman, they exist. And ask guys. I mean, and, I, and same thing that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, this happens to women a lot. It happens to men a lot. Does it happen in the gay community a lot? Absolutely. Does it probably happen at a higher rate? you know, as just as a high rate as it does to women and the, like the, the gay and trans community. Absolutely. And that's mm-hmm. going to be the next thing, you know, that's yeah. going to be the next urge, hopefully. And the next focus, because it happens yeah. and it happens a lot and it's scary. And it's right. not a safe place out there. You know, if you're out, I mean, it's hard enough being out as a woman, <laughs> just to be a <laughs> right. woman and to, to go out in public, you know, well, it's, it's by yourself. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. And but then to always... be gay
2: by yourself, out in the world I mean that's even terrifying that's just as terrifying Listen, marginalized you know trans.
1: people are you know not only are sometimes violent but at least like aggressive things are happening uh, mm-hmm. to women to trans people to, to the mm-hmm. gay and lesbian community also people marginalize them by discrediting everything they say or just blowing off everything they absolutely say complain about stuff so that's another reason why someone's not going to Feel that they can speak out against it because everyone just discredits it so frequently, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, uh, just imagine that mindset, people. <laughs> you know, like you exactly. may not be living that way, but imagine if at any time you said something, people just automatically didn't believe you. Like, you're not yeah. gonna, you're you're not gonna feel like you can do much.
2: You don't have a voice. Right. Yeah, and that's why it takes movements for people to say something, right? Mm-hmm. When uh, that, And that's the thing is people love to use that excuse is, is, well, it can't be true because you waited so long. Well, the only reason we're here, well, why are we hearing so much now that none of these people said anything before? Well, it took a couple of other people to do it to give you the strength to know mm-hmm. that you have the numbers behind you, mm-hmm. to know that you have something to fall back on, someone who's going to understand and, and stand with you in solidarity or you know, I mean, like, you need that to do it because it's scary and it's terrifying and it's not an easy thing. And when you're talking about women being stereotyped as being exagger- you know, exaggerating and all this,
1: they're also stereotyped
2: as being gold diggers and, and wanting to trap men and, and all and this they crazy, want, it. I mean,
1: you know, like, that's another thing. It's like, yeah. they really oh, want God it. That, I mean, that, that, heck, oh, that's what Trump it. said, that's right? What,
2: Absolutely. That supposed sure locker
1: did. room talk that I've never heard. Mm-hmm.
0: Never heard. Exactly. <laughs> I've
1: I've been around dudes where it's just dudes around and they weren't talking like that. Um,
2: exactly.
1: Uh, you know yep. we're we're having a great discussion and we're getting to the end of the episode. Well, and I generally like to sort no. of create something here um, with with the guest and we're t- I like what we're talking about and also with a little a little backstory uh, for the listeners. Mm -hmm. I know personally how much you advocate for women because when I first met you, you were talking, you were in, you came to Greenville to do a show and you're talking about like, why aren't there more women in the comedy scene here? And Mm -hmm. um, this year has made me really, like all the stuff coming out has made me reflect more. And I tried when I was in Greenville in the comedy scene and and booking shows and stuff. I tried then, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm reflecting even more on what can be done differently what can be done better and um i there were things that i missed at the time like i, I thought mm-hmm. i was doing a good job because there were there were women who'd come out to the open mic and i for every last one of them i encouraged them multiple times to come out again good and, for you and if they didn't come out immediately again then i was like emailing them and saying like please come out please come out awesome. there were two women who It took two or three times to get them to come out again and then they didn't stay. But I'm not saying like I'm some sort of hero because what I missed, and I appreciate you saying, you know, kind things about that, but what I think I missed was the overall vibe that it would have been for a woman stepping into that space because there were 22 dudes, you know, like, and a couple of them were weirdos and a couple of them had bad vibes about them. And as a guy, my response is like, Oh, we all know he's a weirdo, and we just yeah. don't think about it because we're, we're, you know, like he's just doing his. But to a woman, and,
2: you know, that guy, leaving. that creepy dude, can be danger. Right? You know, exactly. That's, it's dangerous. It's, it's, it's a fight or flight
1: situation, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yep. It's annoying to y'all, but it's literal danger to us, right. like to be around. it. so we will avoid spaces because of these. Because of a handful of bad dudes, or one bad dude out of a, out of a whole group, right? We will just right. not go back because it's not worth it. And it's the same kind of thing. Maybe that guy, which we found that we find out, you know, oftentimes in the Atlanta scene, which is super female positive. But still, the the same things keep happening, you know, a guy, a new comic will show up, a female comic will will enter the scene and she'll do some fun stuff and then one creep will start to send her dick pics or start to send her, you know, crazy, unsolicited graphic messages or whatever and she won't tell anybody and she won't bring it up because she doesn't want to be blackballed in the community as a complainer or whatever and so she'll just stop doing comedy. Yeah, and and who does she tell? Right? Who does she tell? Somebody who's going to go? Oh, he's not a bad guy. Don't worry about. It. And maybe she did. Right. Maybe she did tell somebody, and they go, Oh, he's fine. And she's like, Well, clearly no one's on my team. No one's going to yeah. like. I'm I'm not going to deal with this. I'll go back to improv or whatever, or or just stop doing this. Right. You know. And then they stop.
1: And that's so, super like you said. There's sad, easy things a lot.
2: All the time, all you know, the time. Like the thing about it's the Atlanta just scene. P-
1: sad. It's it's really tragic. I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. But you're exactly right. And but but thank you. Because it takes it takes several things. It does take the encouragement and it takes the acknowledgement of, hey, you're new and you're good and we want you to come back. Like that needs to happen and people definitely need to say that to any good new comic. You know, you want them all to stick around. Even if it's new guy comics who are super insecure or, you know, they get out there and they've got some talent but they're really intimidated. I mean, it's important for everybody, right? But especially mm-hmm. to women because it's a male-heavy place now are there some women who literally don't care and who are like i don't care this is how i thrive i thrive amongst a bunch of guys then great that's awesome then comedy's perfect for you you know but then there's a lot of talented people who need their voices heard but can't mm-hmm. get this kind of stage time if it's a if it's a hostile environment yes. so it takes a little bit of everything it takes it takes pointing out the pervs and getting rid of those people getting them out of your scene or at least you know blacklisting them from shows, you know, you yeah. can, as a showrunner, you can go, all right, so-and-so and so-and-so are creeps, they've been known to do some bad things, they're no longer allowed at my show. And walking mm-hmm. up and having the balls to walk up and tap somebody on the back and go, you're not welcome here. And they go, what, why? And you should go, you know why. And then they leave.
1: Yeah.
2: And it, and it, it takes, it's the responsibility of the showrunners, it's the responsibility of the peers mm-hmm. uh, to, to get rid of those people. But then on the other end, there's also that other side that you were fulfilling, which is the encouragement. And to come back and to give them, uh, welcome them, you know, to the scene and welcome them to your shows. I mean, that's great. I mean, that is a good step. But you're, I, thank you for acknowledging where you missed. But it's not your responsibility alone. I mean, it's the responsibility of the whole, right? And we right. all have to be. True. We're all responsible.
1: That's true. And and if you're the one person trying to, tr- I wasn't the one person trying to do the right thing. But I just mean, if you do feel like you're the only one that's trying to like could consider make this, it better then, yeah, then yeah that can be that can be complicated for people and i get that but it is like the whole because like if mm-hmm. you have a room if there's a room where the showrunner does not care uh mm-hmm. about trying to make it feel more comfortable for women or something like that mm-hmm. i would say screw that room if you you know like no yeah. one go to that room and it can't just Stop be women saying room. something like i have to not go to that room yep and Absolutely. everyone who thinks that there should be so, if someone's actively saying, oh, yeah, it's not a problem. Just like, you know, if they're saying something like Don Jr. saying about like, oh, a strong woman <laughs> should just wouldn't let it yeah. happen. If they're saying <laughs> something like that, then I think all the people who realize that that's stupid need to say, like, yeah. well, then I'm not going to do your room anymore and let the room yep. die and let someone else put a, 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 yep. a better room up.
2: Yep, but unfortunately, especially comics, I mean, it's just like every other, you know, art, well, you know, loosely defined as art, but, you know, any other artist is, is like people are so desperate for stage time, and there are some people who are like, well, I'll just ignore that horrible, terrible, negative thing just so I can get on stage because that's more important to me than, you know, making this a safer space for all comics. But if they just, so you're always going to have those people. So then there's mm-hmm. always going the bad people are going to go, well, people are still coming. So I must not be doing that wrong, you know, uh, no, just because absolutely. they have desperate people. Right. They have desperate people around them. So, right. and I mean, honestly, that goes with the whole, which is di- kind of a different subject, but still related, which I get onto a lot of uh, younger comics who come to me for advice sometimes is, uh, is <laughs> they they do gigs for free or they'll do traveling gigs for free. And I say, don't do that. When someone asks you, can you come to my, hey, come to my city and do this thing, the first thing you say is, I would love to, what's your budget? You have to ask because you, yeah. can't, you can't agree to a thing. I know a girl who got, a, or a woman uh, who's a comic, and she has someone ask her out of town. They said, hey, are you free such and such date? And she goes, yeah, what's up? And they go awesome. We'd love to have you on blah blah blah. And then she asked about money. Secondly, and then they said, "Oh, we don't have any." But she had already agreed to do this yeah, thing, that's what and she I was felt like, See? she had
1: to go through it."
2: Yep, because they asked if you were free, and I was like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." And and that's the thing, though, is it works the same way. Because of desperation, people will keep you. They will people will keep wanting you to work for free as long as there are people who are working for free, right? Yeah. yeah. So if you have to stop it, it works the same way on, on both of those, you know, both of those levels, both of those subjects. It's like, yeah, it can, it, it can thrive. A show that doesn't pay comics can thrive. Not a mic. I'm talking about a show. A show right. that doesn't pay comics can thrive as long as there's comics showing up. A show where the showrunner uh, is a super creep can thrive as long as there are people who are willing to brush his creepiness mm-hmm. under the rug and mm-hmm. show up. It's like you got somebody's got to stop it yeah. at some point. But that's the nature of the business, and people are desperate to get on stage, so they will overlook all sorts of bad things. It's like Alabama was willing to overlook the fact that a dude was a pedophile just for vote, for their team, you know? It's so sad what people will do.
1: Well, that's the thing Uh, about, like, villainizing the other side, right? Like, when people just say, like, all Democrats are bad or all Republicans are bad. You had people saying, like, people who weren't even denying that Rory Moore could possibly be someone who tried to date 14-year-olds when he was in his 30s. Um, yeah. They didn't say that's not true, and I don't believe it's true. They were saying, like I heard a number of people were saying, in response to, but he did this stuff, the response was yeah. well, we can't have a Democrat in there. Yeah, that was their, exactly. Th- so they were they actively care. saying, well, it's better than a Democrat.
2: But they weren't saying it's exactly- not true. No, they weren't. But look at that exactly word for word what happened with the presidential election. The hate for Hillary is what made Donald Trump win, not the fact that he was the best or that they loved him or he was some savior for the right. Mm -hmm. It was all these people will go, yes, he kind of a shifty business dude. And yes, he probably lied about everything. And yes, he's been really uh, dangerous for women over the years. And he's kind of a creep and he's a moron and he can't. You know, can't complete a sentence? Sure. But is he Hillary?
1: Nope. He's better than a
2: liberal. (laughs) Better (laughs) Better than a Clinton. Yeah, better than a Clinton. But it's just so sad to me that people were willing to overlook the Trump, all of Trump's terrible qualities just just to keep her out of the office. It's so sad to me.
1: Well, yeah, and it's, you know, like you were saying, it's people are looking, overlooking bad qualities of a room or a mm-hmm. showrunner or somebody because mm-hmm. of what they feel they can get out of the situation. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, and it, it, you know, in the entertainment world, like people know, well, people in the industry know how hard it can be to get like a gig. You don't know when that next opportunity is going to come. That's that right. Help you. So it's hard That's right. to see so what is your livelihood.
2: Why no would you? Yeah, why would you help take down a room where it's the only room that gets you on stage, you know? It's right. tough. But, right. but what, what it's going to take, though, is for people, however desperate, to realize what's good for the overall
0: mm-hmm.
2: good of the business. Which comedy is just, you know, unfortunately, it's just that's never going to happen that way because it's a very individualistic business, right? Yeah. It's you. You're by, It's not like improv where there's a team and there's other people relying on you. Comedy, it's, it's, it's you against the world. Literally, yeah. when you're on stage, it's you against the world and yeah, you against a the audience. Yeah, complicated
1: thing. I mean, but you know, it, it does go back to like, should we let a monster get to be so successful? Because the truth is going to come out eventually. Mm-hmm. And, and do we really want them to rise to power so it can be toppled mm-hmm. and then it affect all these other people? You know, yep. there what are all what these projects of Louis C.K.'s that aren't getting made now. That affects a lot yeah. of other people. Do we really want to do that to Pamela Adlon? That is
2: part, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love her so
1: much. Right. But, like, (laughs) she had some project, I think, with him that I don't think is going to happen if I remember correctly, you know? Um, well,
2: just... hopefully they do the right thing and they either just write over everything into her. You know, mm-hmm. I, there's got to be some way around it. it. Getting another producer or something. I mean, I don't know how the ins and outs of that work because I'm not at that level. Right, right. So I have no idea. But I would hope that there's some way to keep her project going without his name attached to it. But, yeah. I mean, not everyone's in the position that, like, Tig Nataro's in, you know, where she can, she can come out and go, I don't need you for this. Like she can back her own things, so she can easily come out and say, you know, but not everyone's in that position, right? Like all those writers and, and everyone else and actors and everything that were involved in, in Louie's other projects. It's like, now what'd they do? Right. They had their jobs pulled, ripped out from underneath them. You know, they're not in that position to just be able to go, Oh, it's fine. I'll grab another thing. It's tough. It's not that easy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's very complicated, but it does take, at the end of the day, it takes, which is something that I would see as a, as a super feminine quality, which is, you know, um, consideration and considering the people around you and, and looking out for the, the greater good than just looking out for yourself. Right. Um, not saying only women have that, but I do think it is a, if you were looking at masculine feminine qualities, I do think that that is a mm-hmm. little bit of, you know, the nurture aspect, the, the considering everyone, you know, we got to protect the brood, you know? So, yeah. but I, I uh, speaking of women in comedy and all of that, I, that kind of led me to what my my most recent project, which is
1: The uh, female my, only yeah, comedy class. So, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. I wanted Lana's to talk
1: about speaking, that next, so this is a good way to segue oh, into it. Um,
2: yeah. yeah you, so yeah, speaking of yeah, encouraging women in the business, it's like that's what I did, and and you know of course there's the I'm still a comic at the end of the day, so there's the individualistic uh, side of me the you know, competitive side of me that's like, why the hell is this as hard as it is in this business? Why the hell do I want any more women to compete with? <laughs> like, of
1: course <laughs> I don't.
2: I like the fact that it's, you know, there's not as many women as there are men in comedy. It's
1: fun. Because right, you know? your I, voice I, is going to be more unique that way, right? But,
2: absolutely. You know, absolutely. But then the other side of me. a lot of women of wanting me, to
1: do it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But the other side of me was, you know what? I'm enjoying my, I've got a long way to go. I've only been in the business for six years. I've done a lot of cool things and I'm only hopefully they only have good things ahead of me right so I was like if I were starting out what would I want I would want someone who was in the business who could another woman who was in the business who could show me the reins, and I didn't have to learn the hard way which they're still gonna have to learn the hard way right yeah they just because yeah. they took my class for six weeks doesn't mean they're ready to go and they're sitcoms waiting for them around the corner I mean right. not by any means but at least Maybe, hopefully, out of my group of women, a handful of them will go and keep doing comedy. And, and what I encourage them to do, you know, the encouragement that I gave them, maybe help them keep going. And now they've got each other to right. have each other's backs. Right. so, I mean, they've already, I'm, I'm watching them in like this little secret group on Facebook, already planning all the mics they're going to be going to over the next few weeks, and they're going together. And yeah. I love that so much.
1: That's awesome. I'm,
2: it. God, it makes me feel so good because I'm like, they're, they, they, you know, they're going to get out there and they're all so talented. I mean, it blew my mind. I taught it. So I opened this class. We'll back up. I, I decided I was like, okay. And the other thing is an artist, you're always kind of looking for other ways to make money. So of course, a little bit of it was like, how could I make money with my skills? You know? So I was like, I could teach a class. And then I was like, you know what? And then the side of me that was all for women, I was like, I'm going to do it for only women because you know what? There's plenty of ways for men to get on stage and so many men are so confident in themselves and their voices and they weren't told to ever be quiet or shut up and let the other person talk. So they automatically think they're funny and they just do comedy, right? But yeah. More men take the risk of just hitting a stage and doing comedy than women do. I mean, and that's because I think women are over analytical, right? Mm-hmm. So And that's, for for me, definitely the case. That's why it took me so long to get on a stage. I wanted to for years, and I didn't. And then I watch men who are painfully unfunny just go and keep going and don't care if they don't get laughed. They just keep going, and they'll go back, and they'll go back, and they'll go back until they finally get good. Women Mm -hmm. it's the opposite way. Like, they don't want to get on stage until they're great,
0: (laughs) which is like,
2: that's not how it works. Right. But, you know, I mean, but, you know, they just they don't have that false sense of confidence that a lot of guys do, which helps them get to the top mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. But anyway, long story short, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I could teach a class. I've got the time for it. I've got enough to teach. Um, I've got a love for teaching. And I had been another part of why I did it is I had a few uh, female comics around town who had some, um, uh, who, had, who had some expendable income on the side. Right. And they wanted they were they were older than me, and there were three different women, and they came to me, and I helped one fix mm-hmm. up some of her jokes and mm-hmm. help her write some new stuff. And then she told a friend, and then same thing, you know, same thing happened. And then, so three people, set on separate occasions, I helped them with their material, and performance, and writing. And then they were like, "You need to teach class," and I was like, "Huh, that's a good idea." So that's what I did, and then I decided to focus just on women because I wanted a space where women, because I could have opened it up, but there are plenty of other classes that are unisex um, or co-ed or whatever the word for that is. And mm-hmm. then there are plenty of men, like I said, who just hit the stages already. Right. But for me, it was more about, I, I, knew, I knew if I made it women only, more women would sign up. I know that sounds silly, that sounds like obvious, but it's true though, because in an atmosphere where you feel judged, because men will tell you left and right what's not funny, right. like we were saying earlier about men just g- getting online and without with no solicitation, just saying crazy shit to you. Right. So I wanted w- these women to be able to share their lives and not and in a room where they were not being judged. Now, is that how all comedy works? Absolutely not. <laughs> they will <laughs> never. They will very rarely be in a situation that they were in in those six weeks in an all-female class. Right. But. Hopefully, that nurturing environment gave them enough confidence and helped them get to a point. Because I feel like what these women learned in six weeks was what it usually takes comics to to spend a year doing, right? So Mm -hmm. by the end of it, they all had a killer five minutes, a very strong five minutes that they can now take to any show and any mic. And that was my goal. And I mean, you know that as a comedian, it takes a good year to get five minutes. Yeah. I mean, to, to get good five minutes that you're uh-huh. happy with. And all of these women have something strong now, but they were able to do it because they were able to flesh out all these ideas. They were able to share the inner parts of their psyche to a group of women who they mm-hmm. knew understood and got them. Now, if yeah. that room, would, if that class would have been mainly men, which most comedy classes are, then they, would not, they probably wouldn't have been as open. And they probably wouldn't have been able to get out some of that super funny raw material because right. they probably and that didn't want
1: to say so necessary.
2: Yep. yep, for creativity. I mean, mm-hmm. there would have been things they would have avoided talking about on stage if they would have been in a class with men. And yeah. so I knew that to get the most, you know, the juiciest, meatiest material would be to be cuz I've been around women my whole life and I I go on on all girl trips constantly with my girlfriends and we talk about things when you get it when you get that that female energy going and you start to share stories. You say you say stuff to each other that you would not ne- and same thing with guys, right? You just feel more comfortable mm-hmm. around people, you know, like minded people who have the same experiences and it's funny and it's more raw and you get the best stuff. And then people censor themselves around the opposite sex, right? You know, and especially women. Um, so yeah, and it, let me it, we got out some of the greatest stuff in that room. Working and then watching them present confidently present that material to a crowd that was full of love and acceptance and support and watching these women like feel so good about what they did and then leave that stage ready to hit more stages. I mean, it was it was like having you know watching your babies all you know do something amazing. Like it felt <laughs> like it was my own children. It was so much fun to do that.
1: Well, that's I love awesome. it. I've
2: already got it. A- yeah, and I've already got another class signed up for. I already have my other one on the books. It's at the. It's at the Atlanta Punchline, and it starts January twenty third, and the class is almost completely full now.
1: That's awesome. And then the graduation show is at the Punchline.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I caught that's it at funny. the Punchline, right? And then the graduation show got to be on the Punchline stage, which is a huge deal. Where, that's a
1: huge deal. I mean, deal. They, that's awesome.
2: Uh, yeah. And one of the owners, uh, which I love them. The Punchline has been so good to me over the years, and they gave me my first like club host work, you know, like five years ago. And they, I mean, they're just, oh, I just, I can't have more love for them. And um, which I love all the, I mean, I really love the Atlanta scene. I love, all the clubs have been good to me. And, but the punchline's punchline's awesome. And, and the owner, one of the owners came in and he came to watch the show and support it. And he did like, he came up and he was like, Hey, could I, he's like, can I get on stage and uh, do something before he's like, what was your plan? Are you just going to open it up and host? And I was like, yeah, and he's like, would you mind if I got up and said something first? And I was like, oh, my gosh, please. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. So he did that, and he gave this whole speech uh, to all the students first in the green room, and he told them all that when they leave here tonight, you know, that they're they're comedians. And he said, "So what I want each of you to do is, I want you to of add your names because you can write on the walls in the green room there." And he's like, "I want you to add your names to the wall uh, among the ranks of all the other comedians because at this point you're about to perform in front of you know 150, well more than that, like 160, 170 people." He's like, "So you're about to do this." He said, "So now you're comedians." And, oh, my gosh, the tears in their eyes. That's the other great thing about women, you know, it's all the the gooey, you know, sweetness of, <laughs> of like, crying and hugging and all <laughs> yeah. the support and, the you know, just everybody hugging each other after everybody said and, and girls just, like, cheering and wooing. I mean, it just felt so good. But, you know, just to watch, like, the tears in their eyes as they got to sign their names onto the wall. And then he got up at the beginning of the show in front of everybody and, and just talked about, women in comedy. And he said, he had lovely things to say about me and my class and all these women and the audience. Just, oh my God, that energy in that room that night was so magical that I honestly, going into it, I was like, I might teach like a class or two, you know? And now that I'm in it, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want that to be my my career. I do not want to be a teacher. I want to at some point be able to pull back or at least replace myself with someone else. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna tell you right. it was it it's addicting. like that whole feeling of pride and
0: yeah. and
2: honor to like have you know been associated with these women in their first times on stage. oh, man, it'll do something to you. It'll yeah. do something different. <laughs> it's like, you know, i I felt so it it ah oh, man. but yeah, it was a, it was a pretty magical night. Well,
1: that's it was great. Awesome. I can't
2: wait. yeah, I can't wait for the next one. yeah, and I'm telling you, these aren't women who are just like, Oh, I just want to do comedy. I had a civil engineer in my class. I had uh, <laughs> yeah. a lawyer sign up. I had business owners. I had writers. I had every name, a lobbyist. Um, I had, I had all, all sorts of people from all different walks of life uh, take my class. And the next one, cause the little questionnaire, they have to fill out uh, questionnaire. That, so I have to, I asked them what they do and, uh, And so all the women that signed up for the next one, if I thought this group was interesting, the next one is even more diverse and more interesting. And I'm like, this is awesome. Even if it's something that they only do one time in their life, you know? It's just cool to to have a space where they can say they did it.
1: Yeah. Well, there it is. You are awesome, Lace. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks, Jason. It's so much fun. So much fun having Lace. I hope you enjoy that and learn something from it. I know I sure did. And uh, you can find out more about Lace on her website, lacelarby.com. She also has an Instagram, a Twitter, and a Facebook. So, of course, as always, links in the bio. She has an upcoming show this Saturday for those of you in the Savannah, Georgia area or surrounding area. That's a fun show, Laughs and Drafts. That's going to be going on there at the Southbound Brewing Company. She also has a couple of shows at the Aurora Theater on December 29th. So check that stuff out. Again, LaceLaraby.com. And again, links in the bio. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at ThereItIsPod. You can follow me on Twitter at JasonFarJokes. And you can find all the other stuff about the podcast and even donate at ThereItIsPod.com. Well, folks, that's today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And next week we have the Comedy Shop Talk episode to finish out the year. Thank you so much. Until next time, be good to each other.